Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 16 of the Average Tooly podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lowe, and today we are looking at nutrient timing. So nutrient timing, I think, is very much a you know nuanced kind of topic, and you know there's a lot of uh, context-specific recommendations out there that people get quite confused about. They don't know whether they should be following it, whether it's specific to them, whether it's any utility in it for them. And sometimes it just ends up perhaps compromising the whole sustainability of their diet and they probably don't see the results they actually want to see. So what I'd like to do today is just to go into this in a bit more detail and really just gives you the uh, lowdown, should we say, with regards to nutrient timing, when we need to do it, what in terms of what context we need to put it into, and you know, ultimately, is it going to get you better results? So, without further ado, let's get into today's show. So, let's start with a definition. So, what is nutrient timing? So nutrient timing involves manipulations of nutrient consumption at specific times in and around an exercise bout in order to improve performance, recovery, and adaptation. So when we look at this uh, in terms of today's episode, we're going to split it very much into pre-exercise or pre-event competition, uh, during, and then post. But what we got to appreciate that you know a single meal or a single nutrient in isolation isn't going to do too much we've got to think of the bigger picture and how it fits in with everything so a lot of people would perhaps think that right i've got to have my protein shake at this time otherwise i'm not going to get any adaptations and there's no point going to the gym there's no point training well we really need to think of okay what about that one meal how does it look like in a context of the rest of your diet in the rest of your day and therefore do we meet the body's demands accordingly so just have a think about this whilst we're going into today's episode um it isn't just be one thing in isolation we've always got to think of the bigger picture so when we're thinking of um, nutrient timing surrounding the pre-exercise period again is very much context specific so if you think um or perhaps do a comparison with non-athletes or general population and athletes whether you're recreational elite international kind of level you know the demands are going to be very different with regards to your training session you know there's a big difference between you going to the gym doing some cross trainer like 30 minutes going a step for 20 minutes and then you know your bicep tricep supersets you know um versus someone who's going so for example a rugby player who's got a mixed conditioning session a weight session a skill session and then a rugby sort of team session as well you know the overall demand is completely different and therefore the fueling requirements are completely different as well like say for example if you are just going to the gym doing like the steady 45 60 minutes you know, you're not really going to deplete glycogen stores within the muscle that much, and you're really not going to get impairments in performance due to, you know, carbohydrate availability, so enough carbohydrates in the muscle, essentially. Um, where if you're training two, three hours with pretty much back-to-back sessions, um, you know, this is going to have a massive impact in terms of when you time your um, overall sort of meals throughout the day and your carbohydrate intake uh, prior to that session. So if you think of perhaps the recommendations here um, in terms of the research anyway, 
say like an hour before your session, the recommendations are anywhere between you know 0.5 to 2.2 grams of carbs per kilogram that you weigh. You know, that's 60 minutes before. If you use a 100 kilo example to keep the maths a little bit more simple, that's between 50 and 220 grams of carbohydrates an hour before. Granted, there's going to be a lot of individual preferences there. Like I know for myself, I will not be able to stomach that many carbohydrates before I train. Um, so, you know, we're also going to take uh, the preferences and how it affects like gut function and everything like that there. But, you know, this is kind of the in the realm that we need to fuel um, exercise performance and be able to maintain exercise performance. Where if you haven't that many carbohydrates before you go and do a gym session, there's absolutely sort of no need because the demand isn't there. Your collection stores are not going to go down that much in the gym session. From research with um, you know uh, gym goers, you now if you're doing a very high intensity, high volume uh, weight training session, your collection stores are only really going to go down by forty percent. You know, top end that's the highest reported. Where you know many will just go down between perhaps seventeen and twenty percent. You know, realistically, not depleting the um, your collection stores that much. So you don't need to have a huge amount of carbohydrates beforehand. But if that same person is doing the gym session, then they're going into uh, you know a run into a field session, like a skill session. You know, this uh, accumulation of fatigue and this accumulation of, um, or shall we say, this you know steady decline of collection stores will increase and ultimately that is going to massively affect your performance so when we look at the pre-exercise period your carb intake is very much dependent on again the intensity of your session the duration of the session uh, and your starting carbohydrate status as well like if you've had a few chilled out days leading into this session and you've been eating pretty well not restricting you know your starting carbohydrate status within the muscle and in the liver is actually gonna be pretty good so you don't have to have a huge amount of carbohydrates here but if you've had like a super hard training week and you've perhaps been restricting your calories and carbohydrates a little bit we can assume that your starting carbohydrate status is a little bit low um so therefore you're going to need more carbohydrates uh before that session to make sure that your, your glycogen stores are starting a little bit higher um but as we kind of mentioned a couple of episodes ago if you do if you do have like a, a competition event or a game you will need to do some form of carbohydrate load because realistically having a huge amount of carbohydrates 60 minutes before uh that session or event isn't going to do a huge amount in terms of replenishing your glycogen stores we have to be very proactive and we need to uh think about start eating the day before just so that will um you know uh i don't say super compensate but very much case of just top up your um glycogen stores within the muscle like we know that say you know a two hour moderate intensity bike ride um can deplete glycogen stores by about 70 percent which is pretty substantial where one hour high intensity cycle can deplete collection stores by the same extent. So this again shows that the intensity is very much um, an important factor here when we look at how quickly we utilize carbohydrates. So a few things you have to kind of forecast for here really is the type, like again, the type, the intensity and duration um, of your session and how that looks in context with the timing of this session within the day. I, are you doing it first thing in the morning? Uh, are you doing it at 10 a.m.? you doing it at 6 p.m. at night? You know, how does this session fit in with your other meals in the day? And then what is your starting carbohydrate status around it? Then when we think of the protein side of it, 
you know, when's best to have protein before training, after training. You know, if you walk into most gyms, I guess 90% of the people in this will say post-training. You know, you've got to have protein post-training within the first 45 to 60 minutes. Otherwise, you're going to like a catabolic state and you lose all your gains, all that kind of stuff. But when we think of the optimal model of muscle growth, adaptation, remodeling, and recovery, um, we're thinking of evenly distributing your protein into excited the day. So having enough protein on a, every single meal, uh, or should we say in every single meal, uh, is going to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. We know that muscle protein synthesis will perhaps stay on, you know, between three to five hours, depending on the type of the meal you have, um, and then switch off. And then it makes sense then to have another protein meal to switch it back on, switch it off, on, off, and so on. So the whole idea is to have multiple protein feedings and meals, snacks throughout the day, and always keep muscle protein synthesis switched on as best as you can. So if you kind of work on off that model, you're naturally going to be having protein before you train, protein after you train. So when we sort of think of uh, some research out there, like just going to pick on this one study here where they had you know, some protein with some carbohydrates before they trained. Um, and that actually shown, was shown to have better improvements in muscle protein synthesis versus uh, just the same, exactly the same meal, but having it after. So in this scenario, they kind of show that, yes, protein before with carbs is better than protein post with carbs. But given the fact that we're going to be working off this like bigger picture model of having protein throughout the day, you know, we're going to get better results that way anyway. And considering we need to have some carbohydrates before we train, you know, protein and carbs is going to have a nice sort of synergistic effect on this sort of bigger uh, model, should we say. Then when you think of uh, actually putting this into action, say you have a protein meal or snack uh, about an hour before you train, and then you train for maybe 60 to 90 minutes, and then you drive home and have a protein meal, then, you know, you're naturally going to be evenly distributing protein intake throughout the day, perhaps every sort of three, four, perhaps five hours, depending again on the type of the meal. And as we mentioned uh, earlier, in terms of the carbohydrate intake, if we add some carbohydrates in before you train, you kind of tick both boxes. Yes, you can be maximizing muscle protein synthesis um, after that training session, and you are going to be having an adequate carbohydrates to help fuel that training session as well and make sure that your glycogen stores within both the liver and uh, muscle are as high as they potentially can be. So if we kind of wrap that into some numbers, the recommendation would be perhaps 0.3 to 0.4 grams per kilogram of protein and then about 0.5 to 2.2 grams per kilogram of carbohydrates. But again, with the carbohydrates, you know, it's very much dependent on the intensity of that session. And also we've got to take into account just any gut issues because, you know, if it's a 120, 130 kilo tie head prop rugby player, um, wants to be taking, you know, 2.2 grams per kilogram of carbohydrates, that's a fucking huge amount of carbohydrates and it's not going to be overly so specific to them. You know, this research, when they looked at this recommendation here, they're using like 65, 70 kilo cyclists. So the overall amount of carbohydrates isn't actually that huge. So what I'd say is, again, look at your total daily intake of carbohydrates that is ultimately the most important thing. So say you need to have 600 grams of carbohydrates today for a very active athlete, then it's like, okay, can we put um, a decent chunk within that kind of range before our training session just to make sure our collection stores are relatively high starting? And that just gives us the best 
um, or just puts us in the best possible position uh, to be able to maintain both physical and mental work capacity throughout. Then when we look at um, nutrient timing, so intra-workout or intra-session or event or competition nutrition, I'm actually going to do quite a detailed uh, podcast surrounding this because there's a huge amount to cover. Um, so what I'm going to do is give you the cliff, note, cliff notes, but uh, don't feel like a bit annoyed because I haven't given you exactly all the detail you need because I will be doing a huge uh, podcast on this because there's a massive area to cover and where I'll be looking at uh, gym sessions, uh, you know, rugby, you know, team sport-based stuff, uh, endurance, ultra-endurance guys are going to cover a huge amount of things. But the only real thing we need to be concerned about from the perhaps the fueling perspective again is our carbohydrate intake and it's very much dose dependent so the greater the intensity the greater the duration of our session the more carbohydrates we need and again um, we always work off the motto fuel for the work required so essentially just some cliff notes here if you are exercising any endurance based stuff under 60 minutes in duration you know you only really need to have water and electrolytes to get you through that session you don't need to have a huge amount of carbohydrates because a whole amount whole um perhaps aim of having carbohydrates during these sessions is to offset a fall in glycogen levels and you're not really going to experience that in a 60 minute session um where say for example your last session or event is between one to two hours you're looking at perhaps 30 grams of carbohydrates per hour and obviously you're still going to have your electrolytes and your fluid in there as well if you're looking at a little bit longer again about two to three hours in duration you're going to bang that up to about 60 grams of carbohydrates per, carbohydrates per hour but again we're still going to put in the same amount of fluid uh, on an hourly basis and electrolytes and then if you're doing three hours plus like the ultra endurance guys you're going to be looking at perhaps top end about 90 grams our carbohydrates per hour with again electrolytes and fluid in there as well there is a case for very high amounts perhaps 120 grams of carbohydrates per hour um so in some sort of uh, rare circumstances which again i'll cover on the sort of follow-up podcast to this this then will really just be able to or help you to be able to maintain both our physical and mental performance so again i always say you should be able to start your sessions or your games or events strong and you should be able to maintain your work capacity throughout right until the very end if you feel like you're fit enough but you're not able to do that it is very much your nutrition and largely down to your carbohydrate intake granted fluid is also going to play a huge element uh, and a factor there that can affect overall uh, mental and physical performances um, but what we've got to think as well is the method of delivery when it comes to perhaps achieving like higher carbohydrate intakes uh, again we can't just like slam loads of glucose in you just because that will give you a huge amount of gut issues especially when you go over about uh, six grams of glucose per hour so then we need to think of like multiple sources of carbohydrates uh, different forms whether it's powders gels bars solid foods all that kind of stuff to put this kind of puzzle together for you to achieve a higher carbohydrate intake throughout um, that session event or you know, game. So what about protein and amino acids during a session? Now, I'm not overly convinced that the research is strong enough to suggest um, essential amino acids or branched chain amino acids from the sense of 
having greater ability to build muscle or offset uh, muscle breakdown in that session. There may be something there, but I don't think it's really a huge amount of need to put too much emphasis on this just yet. So I'm a little bit hesitant to recommend BCAs or essential amino acids from this perspective. However, I am warming to the idea, and I have quite a few times, um, about you know supplementing uh, branched-chain amino acids during a session to help with central fatigue. Now, central fatigue hypothesis, as it kind of suggests, is a hypothesis. It's very much speculative. But here's the kind of rationale behind it. You know, it's been talked about for quite a long time and there's some kind of nice insights um and when i've tried it with a few athletes before it seems to have had a nice effect so central fatigue hypothesis um essentially during say long events especially like endurance events um the muscle will oxidize branch chain amino acids um for fuel essentially so what this does then it increases free tryptophan levels in the blood and then this crosses that blood brain barrier which then increases uh, serotonin levels in the brain, which, shall we say, decreases arousal and that drive we have. So we know that then increased serotonin will decrease performance. So what is suggested now is to put some kind of protein in throughout that session, whether it's essential amino acids, branched-chain amino acids, uh, to basically decrease this branched-chain amino acid tryptophan ratio and therefore less uh, free tryptophan will cross that blood brain barrier and therefore you will have less fatigue as a result so like you kind of mentioned before when we look at optimizing performance is very much down to your carbohydrate intake and your fluid intake they're the first two things i look at so that's the protocol essentially but if i know the carbohydrate intake is on point and i know that uh, the hydration intake is on point um this is the kind of next thing i might look at it's like okay there's no negatives to putting in uh amino acids during your session so let's give it a go and see how it works now i've had pretty good success rate with this when i've tried it again this could be placebo because i like to kind of explain the rationale to the athletes i work with so you know i pretty much told them what i just told you about this central um fatigue hypothesis and, you know, if I tell them that branched-chain amino acids may improve levels of fatigue, it most probably will. You know, again, whether that's placebo or whether it actually does. Either way, they had a nice sort of uh, benefit from it, um, you know, without, or should we say benefit in performance, without changing carbohydrate or fluid um, intake. So one for the toolbox is not my first protocol by in the slightest, but since we're looking at um, intra-workout nutrition and looking at protein or amino acids, I thought I'd just bring it up. Now, when we look at the post-exercise um, period or post-event or post-game period, um, you know, like I mentioned, you probably heard of this anabolic window of opportunity or metabolic window of opportunity where, you get, where we get um, heightened rates of muscle growth, recovery, all that kind of sort of jazz. So I'm not going to cover the carbohydrate side of it and the fluid side because I covered all that in last week's podcast, uh, Ultra Fast Recovery. So if you're wondering how you can recover ultra fast, go and check that podcast out. Huge amount of detail in there and loads that you can take away from it. But when we perhaps look at the most common um, reason uh, for this um, 
shall we say, coined anabolic window of opportunity is really to get heightened adaptation in terms of muscle growth. So we know that after you finish a training session, event, game, race, what have you, um, we know that we get increased sensitivity to the uptake of amino acids and glucose into the muscle cell. So essentially the idea is to put loads of carbs and protein in it after you finish training um, to increase the potential um, to kind of shift you from a catabolic to an anabolic state. So a state that favors um, growth, replenishment, uh, development of muscle tissue, all that kind of stuff. So essentially anything anabolic favors growth, anything catabolic favors breakdown. So we know that exercise, especially if it's very intense, is very damaging to the body, you deplete energy stores, and it's very much a catabolic process. So the idea is to recover and to adapt is to go into an anabolic state which is going to again favor growth and development of that muscle tissue so from the uh, carbohydrate side of things again go and check out the recovery webinar um, webinar <laughs> podcast even um, but in terms of the protein side of it yes protein after you finish training is going to be beneficial the thing is with most studies um, they either compare one or the other pre versus post they don't necessarily account for pre and post should we say so going back to that optimal model of muscle growth and adaptation where we want to have protein evenly distributed throughout the day um yeah it kind of makes sense to have protein before and after because you're always going to be ticking both boxes when we think of nutrient timing as well we always perhaps think of you know pre during and after that session but what happens like after after the session so there's a big um body of research now looking at pre-bed protein uh, so having protein before you go to bed as a nice little opportunity to maximize bust brain synthesis while you sleep so it's almost like this hidden opportunity um that people don't really sort of see so one kind of thing we can look at is just a high amount of protein pre-bed about 0.6 grams per kilogram anyway which is quite a big dose just to make sure that protein synthesis is elevated while we sleep. So if you kind of think of that in the context of your day, you'd be training, you'd be having protein before and after, perhaps again, three to four hours apart, you can have a decent protein uh, meal or snack before bed. And then perhaps got to just slot one or two protein snacks in throughout the day. And then you're pretty much maximizing um, adaptation and growth from the perspective of the muscle. So one of the perhaps misconceptions out there is that you need to have, you know, an absolute shit ton of carbohydrates after your training session to spike insulin and further drive muscle growth where that really isn't the case. You're going to get a nice robust response and perhaps maximize muscle brain synthesis through just whey protein alone. So you don't really need to have um, loads of carbohydrates with a protein source straight after you train. But the reason why you would have carbohydrates after again is to take advantage of this first phase of glycogen replenishment where you do get increased uptake of glucose into the muscle cell to um, facilitate you know glycogen synthesis so overall better recovery um, I guess one of the kind of other misconceptions is that insulin is perhaps anabolic whereas perhaps coined as like anti-catabolic so you may have a small decrease in muscle protein breakdown there uh, which could perhaps then favor overall muscle development but i wouldn't really be focusing or focus on having loads of carbohydrates after i train 
for that reason, I'd focus on the carbohydrate side to primarily um, drive glycogen replenishment and then have protein in there, again, just to start multiple instances and the muscle remodeling process. So one of the, I guess, um, developments of this anabolic window is perhaps now coined the, you know, anabolic barn door or garbage door or something like that, because we know that once we subject the muscle to a load and a stimulus, um, the uptake of protein is heightened for about 24 to 48 hours um, in advanced and elite athletes, probably shorter again, perhaps within that 24 hour period with the untrained being perhaps um, 36, 48 hours and plus. So we know that this barn door, garage door, whatever you want to call it, is actually a lot bigger and a lot longer than a 45 minute window where you thought you had to get protein in realistically if you just follow that optimal model of muscle adaptation having protein throughout the day will be amplifying that training response and keeping muscle protein synthesis elevated throughout this period so with regards to this like the exact timing of protein after your session doesn't really matter too much um, unless you are training in a fasted state and do need protein after it but what I would highly recommend is you just having protein throughout the day with every meal and you're going to, um, again, maximize your outcome and make your training more effective just by having protein throughout the day, again, to dial up adaptation and really just skyrocket most protein synthesis. So when we think of like perhaps the uh, practical take-homes to all of this, um, I kind of come up with like perhaps three main ones. First of all, there's no disadvantage to nutrient timing. Um for general population and stuff, it may compromise the sustainability of the diet. So, you know, them putting all the emphasis on exact nutrient timing, uh, you know, it's just not warranted. And, you know, if it affects the longevity of what they're doing, there is no point at all. They just focus on the total daily intake. But for athletes, there's no real disadvantage to it. If we say like, right, perhaps just have a little more carbohydrate before a training session, after training session, let's focus on having some carbohydrates during a session. There's no real disadvantage to it at all so assuming that you're taking account for the total daily intake and then budgeted those carbohydrates or your protein intake accordingly you no know, nutrient timing only has the potential to maximize adaptation performance and recovery so whenever we think of interventions or any strategies you know we always uh, think of like first do no harm like is there any negatives to this approach no not really does it have the potential to have a positive yes for sure even if it has a neutral you know, it doesn't matter too much because you're in the same position anyway. So from nutrient timers perspective, I definitely recommend it for sure. Um, but for general population, no athletes. Yes. Um, and then again, like if you have, if you are an athlete and you're very active and you expend a lot of energy, you probably need to eat a lot of energy as well. You need to eat a lot of calories. You need to eat a lot of food. Um, and if you're eating a lot of food, you're probably naturally going to def by default, just be nutrient timing. Like, if you need 600 grams of carbohydrates per day, think of that, that's six meals of 100 grams of carbohydrates or six servings, should we say. By default, that's going to be surrounding your training sessions. You're not going to fast throughout the day and then have 600 grams in the space of two hours at night. You know, you will naturally just be drip feeding and titrating carbohydrates through your body uh, throughout the day. And again, a big thing is that we need to think of not just a single nutrient or meal or snack in isolation. We've got to think of the bigger picture. So it's not before, during, or after. It's going to be before, during, and after. So we've got to think of everything. And then, you know, 
if you have the right nutrition prime programming there, we can actually try and implement every single possibility from a nutrient timing perspective to again, enhance adaptation, performance and recovery. So guys, um, that's all I wanted to cover with you today. If you found today's uh, podcast useful and helpful and it cleared up a few misconceptions surrounding protein timing, uh, carb timing, and so on, um, absolutely fantastic. And if you did um, you know, feel like other people can benefit from this, please do share it because, again, you sharing the podcast, whether it's on like an Instagram story, Facebook feed, what have you, is hugely beneficial for myself and getting the podcast out there for other athletes uh, to hear and to learn from it. So guys, thank you very much for tuning in today. If you have any questions, queries, drop me an Insta DM and I'll happily get back to you. Until next time, goodbye.